Say goodbye to leaks and pads and hello to confidence. Elatone is the only FDA-cleared treatment for stress, mixed, and urgent continence. As an external wearable treatment, it's the easiest and most effective thing you can do to get back to regaining control of bladder leaks. External, easy, effective. Don't let incontinence rob you of so many joys of life. Go to www.elatone.com and use code NAFC24 for $25 off. That's www.elitone.com and use code NAFC24. Welcome to Life Without Leaks, a podcast by the National Association for Continents. NAFC is America's leading advocate for people with bladder and bowel conditions, with resources, connections to doctors, and a welcoming community of patients, physicians, and caregivers, all available at nafc.org. This podcast is supported by our sponsor partner Medtronic, maker of Interstim systems for bladder and bowel control. To learn more about Interstim therapy, visit controlleaks.com. Welcome back to another episode of Life Without Leaks. I'm Bruce Cassover, and uh, today we have with us Steve Gregg, the Executive Director for the National Association for Continents, and Robin Stern, who's a longtime associate of the NAFC as well. And today we're going to continue our discussion about overactive bladder. Uh, welcome, Steve. Glad to have you with us. It's good to be here, Bruce, um, with you and Robin again. Excellent. And Robin, hello. How are you doing? Hi, guys. As always, I'm really excited to be here. I'm always glad that we can help you to manage solutions and treatment options for incontinence. So, Steve, to kick things off, let me just mention to everybody that if you haven't listened to our previous podcast where we talked about OAB in broader terms, that's probably a good starting point because today we're going to be discussing some specific therapies that can be helpful for a lot of patients. But before we do that, if for anybody who hasn't listened to that previous podcast, can you just give us a real brief uh, summary of what OAB is, who's affected, what are the symptoms, just to make sure everybody's up to speed? Sure, Bruce. Overactive bladder affects about 35 million Americans, uh, both men and women. We typically think more along the lines of uh, it being a women's issue, which is not entirely true. Overactive bladder is just another name for urge related incontinence. And all that really means to most people is that when I have to go, I have to go right now. And when I mean right now, it oftentimes is impossible to manage your bladder to get to a bathroom. We think that overactive bladder is really caused by the nerves that are innervate into the bladder are just too active. And therefore the bladder can't naturally control itself. So when you got to go, you got to go right now. Very good. Now, one of the things we talked about and we're going to be talking about today are different therapies for the management or the treatment of overactive bladder. And I'm wondering if you want to talk a little bit about what the difference exactly is between managing a condition and treating a condition. Sure. Most often people will come to NAFC.org and ask about um, how do I manage this condition, particularly if I'm not sure how to talk to a doctor yet. And so the management solutions are First and foremost, diet and fluid management. You know, are you drinking beverages that are irritants to your bladder? Caffeine and alcohol are the two that come up a lot. Am I over consuming fluids? And therefore I have to go to the bathroom more frequently. In other words, my bladder's full and I have to go. And so oftentimes people will first manage those. Sometimes they'll do a bladder diary so they know how often they really go and approximately how much volume they generate. Secondly, 
again, before they want to get to a conversation with a physician, they'll start looking at pelvic floor exercises. Think Kegels. And very often you can go to a pelvic floor specialist, a physical therapist, and they will do everything to make sure that those muscles are as good as possible. If those don't work, you end up into what is really called the care continuum, which are the medical options associated with treatment of overactive bladder. The first medical line are pharmaceutical drugs. There's some old generics, but there are now two really nice, effective medications on the marketplace. If those fail, you end up in what are called third line. Third line simply means that that's the way reimbursement looks at those treatment options. And those are some of the things we're going to talk about today. If those fail, the tried and true are surgical interventions. I think a lot of people today want to avoid surgery, but there are a lot of treatment options before you get to surgery. Steve, can you explain more in detail what are third-line therapies and how they might be a good solution for certain people? Sure. So the third-line therapies are really designed to calm the nerves associated with bladder integrity. Um, There are really three ways you can do this. One is Botox. So Botox is not just for cosmetics. It's actually good for a whole wide range of things but a Botox can be injected and it can calm the nerves uh, in the bladder. There's also SNS, which is sacral nerve stimulation. It's a small little implant. It calms the nerves. And the last one is PTNS, which is percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation. Again, a small little electrode is implanted and it provides a little teeny current that calms the nerves to the bladder. So in preparation for this, I was looking at a couple of things we're going to be talking about, and I've seen a number of acronyms. You mentioned SNS for uh, sacral nerve stimulation. I've also seen uh, SNM for sacral neuromodulation. Are those the same thing? Those are exactly the same thing. One just talks about how um, the system works, neuromodulation. The other just says we're going to stimulate the sacral nerve. Okay. So with that being said, can you tell us a little bit more about what this therapy actually is, how it works and and what's done to you? Sure. A very small needle about the size of a needle when you get your vaccination is implanted in your leg. It touches the sacral nerve and then an electrical signal is sent and that causes the nerves to the bladder to calm down. And so they, again, if part of what overactive bladder is, is overactive nerve activity, this causes that to go down. And in those candidates that this would be warranted for, it can be very effective. Now, when you say you're inserting a needle, it sounds a little painful. Is it painful? Do you feel anything after you have the procedure done? Well, I've never had it done, Bruce, but from what I understand, there's probably a teeny tiny prick. It probably is minimally noticeable. This is not something that is implanted for a long time. And so it's done in your doctor's office. Um, It typically has no sensation or feeling at all. If patients do talk about feeling anything, it feel a slight tingling in your leg, sort of like your leg going to sleep, but probably even not that noticeable. So it's actually very easy to do. And for those that this makes sense, is actually very effective. Yeah, now, and this is not an experimental treatment. I mean, this has been done like hundreds of thousands of times, hasn't it? Yeah, I think there are um, 
probably close to half a million patients that have had this procedure done with some level of success. The question about how successful this will be depends a lot on the conversation that you will have with your doctor. And it depends on the severity and the length of time that you've been suffering from overactive bladder. But your really good specialist, a urologist or a urogynecologist, will work through all of that to make sure that you're the right candidate for this procedure. Steve, are there any side effects with this procedure? There's always a risk. The risk that we hear most often about is injection site irritation. Your, your skin could be a little bothered by it. But because it's so minimally invasive, if the patient feels discomfort, they just stop or try again at some other point. So it's really pretty simple. There are no long-term side effects that I'm aware of. And are there any people who are just sort of excluded that are not really good candidates for this procedure? You, you know, there always are, Bruce, um, and that depends a lot on um, the conversation that you'll have with your doctor. Um, and I think we probably have a um, significant amount of information at NAFC.org about how to make sure you're having a meaningful conversation with this. It is a minimally invasive procedure, but again, you want to make sure that you're talking to the doctor about, am I right for this? How much will it affect my uh, current condition? When could I start to experience some benefit from this? How long will the benefit last? Is this something that we'll do on a regular basis for a long period of time? Or will I get better? Um, most people don't really ever get better, better. But you can significantly reduce the number of time and or the urgency that you would have trying to get to the bathroom. I hope that we can get possibly a person who has gone through it in a future podcast and we can arrest your fears or any information that you want to know, we'll have someone discuss it coming up. You, you know, I hope we can talk to a patient too. And while the numbers aren't, are nice, half a million, one of the challenges that patients face is oftentimes they go in and talk to their primary care doctor about their condition. And primary care doctors have limited time and knowledge about these treatment options. Uh, and so oftentimes patients walk away going, gee, there may be a pill that can help me, but there are really no other options. Um, and what we think is you can't give up. You can't give up. You can never give up because there are treatment options. You just need to find the right doctor who is skilled in this kind of procedure, and they will help you through whether this is right for you. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between SNM and PTNM? You know, it works very similar in both situations, a small needle, electrode, is implanted in the same nerve, the sacral nerve that's in your leg. If you go in for SNM, a small device is implanted so that you take it with you. If you go in for a PTNS, that's administered in your doctor's office, typically takes about 30 minutes in the doctor's office, and you start on a 12-week trial to make sure that this actually works for you. So Steve, for, for PTNM, are there any side effects that are that might be different than what we see from SNM? Any anything that, that people should be aware of that might caution them against it? You know, the only side effects that we typically see are um, transient or very temporary in nature. It could be uh, mild pain or some degree of inflammation near where the stimulation is. And sometimes you have, uh, as you have with any kind of needle or vaccination, some form of skin irritation. But that typically is about the most we ever see. 
Well, that's great. I mean, it's really remarkable to hear that there are treatments that have pretty minimal side effects for most people that are pretty easy to administer compared to things like surgery, but that actually generate results, you know, like, like meaningful results for people. That's pretty remarkable. I'm a little surprised that these aren't more widely known. Do you find that people who have OAB are, are generally really unfamiliar with these? Or, or do you think that the word is getting out? You know, I think we need to do an awful lot more to tell people that there are treatment options. There are medical treatment options beyond just taking a drug. And again, there are some new drugs in the marketplace that work pretty well. The challenge with drugs are we just look at how long someone's likely to continue on drug therapy and it doesn't, they don't tend to last very long. Uh, I think you've probably all and, and our listeners would recognize you know, our drugstore chains are doing an awful lot to make sure that we keep getting our medications filled appropriately. And that's across everything, blood pressure and all kinds of drugs. For those individuals where the medications don't work, there are treatment options that are available to them. And unfortunately, many people don't know. They don't know how to ask, or they're talking to doctors that this is not really what they do first and foremost. Again, a primary care doctor is most likely not ever going to do either of these third-line procedures. You need to find a really good urologist or urogynecologist. And I think even an AFC.org on our physician finders can help you find somebody that's in your local area. Okay, so the doctor finder is at NAFC.org. And I believe that there's a bunch of other information there as well for people who want to become more familiar with OAB and the various treatment options that are available. So one of the things that we made a very conscious effort in doing was answering questions that we would see routinely. So people will come to NAFC.org and say, I have this problem, what is it? And then we can help them talk about the symptoms of stress urinary incontinence or overactive bladder. And then they say, well, what can I do about it? And so uh, again, the care continuum lays out everything from you purchase an absorbent pad, manage your fluid intake, drug medications, and then these third line therapies. And so people want to be really smart about what those options are. And then they ask us, who can I see? You know, who will take care of me on this? And we tend to point to specialists, again, urologists um, or urogynecologists. And if they say they can't find one, we oftentimes can help them with that as well. So what is this? What can I do about it? And then how do I talk to this person about finding the meaningful treatment for me? Because again, that's the point, right? It's not every treatment option is perfect for every person, but a really good doctor who will take the time to explain to you what we're going to do, how we're going to try it, and how long you're going to be on this treatment option is really critical to finding the success that most people are looking for. I know that at NAFC.org, there are a list of specialists and doctors. Are these available right across the United States? Well, you know, Robin, there's two ways to think about that question. The medical procedure is available in all 50 states. So it is possible. The number of qualified physicians for these third-line therapies depend a lot on what state you're in. And one of the things that we typically see are in very populated states, in big cities, it's really easy to find a plethora of doctors who are skilled at this. As we get out into more rural communities, oftentimes there aren't urologists or urogynecologists out in those communities. And so there is some travel that's typically involved. And I hear that from folks that travel two and three hours to go to San Francisco to find some very qualified doctors. I'm sure in the South, that's true. Birmingham, Alabama, for example, has one of the great centers, but not all the way across Alabama has that center like at UAB. So the procedure is available. 
everywhere, finding somebody who can do it for you can be a bit of a challenge. And again, that's one of those things that if you have that problem, you can let us know through member services at nafc.org. And we typically can find somebody close to you that will be able to help you find the care that you're really looking for. And I guess that may be one of the deciding factors if you're looking at either of these therapies. If there's a lot of travel time for you to, uh, to, to reach a physician, you might be better off going with an implant rather than the PTNS procedure that would have you go visiting your doctor every week for a period of 12 weeks. You, you know, it just depends on the severity of the condition. It depends on a variety of things. We've said it before. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't provide medical advice, mm -hmm. but those are the kinds of questions. Doc, I have to tra travel so far. What's the right treatment option for me? Doc, I have difficulty with rides. I have a busy career. And the doctor will work with you to make sure that they find a treatment that is effective, safe, and will work for you. I think I've said it, and I, and I say it frequently, there's no reason today to give up. And while I think there are some things that people can do and will naturally do on their own to manage overactive bladder, absorbent products being one of them, uh, multiple pairs of underwear, staying at home or close to a toilet, you know, there are options to explore with a physician that can help you find something that fits into your lifestyle that provides the relief that you're looking for. It's out there. So don't give up. Excellent. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate your time. And thank you, Robin. I appreciate you being here as well. We look forward to being back again with uh, more important information about the treatment of incontinence conditions. And with the guests that we were referring to earlier, we'll have patients and physicians on upcoming episodes as well. And we will be talking soon. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bruce. And thank you again, Steve, for your knowledge and ability to make what could have been a complicated situation into something that's really easy to understand. Well, thank you. That means a lot to us. We work very hard to make sure that folks understand what the condition is and who to see about getting the treatment they deserve. Life Without Leaks has been brought to you by the National Association for Continents. This podcast was supported by our sponsor partner, Medtronic, makers of the Interstim systems for bladder and bowel control. To learn more about the Interstim systems, visit controlleaks.com. Our music is Rainbows by Kevin McLeod and can be found online at incompetech.com. <laughs>